It wasn't until I met Jordan working at Duncan, <laughs> fall 2021, that he was like, oh my God, you're native? Like, you need to join the group chat. You need to come to these events. And I was like, oh my God, there's actually like, like I knew there was Native Americans here, but I didn't know where they were at, I guess. <laughs> you know, you just see yourself as a single minority in like a sea of white people and that's just the way it is. And that's just, you just, okay, this is what I signed up to when I came here. And then you meet someone and then it changes everything. At what point during your time at Syracuse did you start feeling more comfortable and relaxed as you made a community within Syracuse? When I stopped hanging out with white people. This is the land you're on. Acknowledging the Haudenosaunee. Interviews and conversations with indigenous community members and allies, providing the context needed to understand the complicated history of the land you're on. This episode is two of two, centering around interviews conducted by Syracuse University senior Deosterios Deer. He recalled first hearing about Asia through a mutual friend. Yeah, there's this native girl from Hawaii. I was like, oh, cool. Like, does she want to tell her to come hang out with us? But he was like, yeah, I don't know why she didn't hang out. And then we find out because she said she didn't feel welcome. And we're like, okay, we want to make sure that never happens. It's actually an issue we'd probably bring up to like whenever our next native meeting is in two months <laughs> when we come back. But that was something alarming uh, big time, uh, not just as a student, but just like as, a, as, an, as an indigenous person or just as a human. Like I'm friends with non-natives all the time and we include them. But that has happened. I've had non-native friends say, oh, is it cool to hang out with you guys? Or it's like, yeah, like, what, like are we horses? Are we animals? You know, it's like, no, we're just, we're people. But in her, in her case, because she comes from Hawaii, very far away place. And she didn't know anybody there, you know. So I was happy that she was able to meet the other Native students. And we all got to really hang out and, you know, become a family. This meeting is being recorded. So the purpose of this, just to get like more Indigenous voices on like what it's like to be on campus. And I decided to go with you because you're new to Syracuse. And also you're from, a, you're from far away. <laughs> Do you want to just explain a bit about yourself? My name is Asia Lynn Wyland Estrella. I am from Hilo, Hawaii. I am a Native Hawaiian. And I'm studying ex health and exercise science here at Syracuse. Fourth grade until junior year of high school, I went to an all-Native Hawaiian school senior year and prior to fourth grade i went to a public school so i'm kind of blessed that way and that i was always surrounded by my culture have you ever been to a reservation uh specifically on like the continental united states no i haven't but do you have an idea of what they uh look like i kind of have an idea i'm junior to senior year i was a part of college horizons i don't know if you know what that program is but it allows um native Hawaiians, native americans to just meet up with like college advisors and get our applications together so i made like a whole bunch of friends and they like showed me pictures of their home so i kind of have an idea so your reservation is different like completely environmentally and location wise and everything so just to give some perspective for uh, university students who aren't really aware of indigenous people from hawaii can you just explain what it's like social life, academic or political or just the everyday life of an Indigenous person in Hawaii? So we don't actually have reservations. We have Hawaiian homelands and you're very lucky if you're able to live there because blood quantum does play a role into getting it. I'm not exactly sure on the specifics, but the only way that you can pass it on is if 
your descendants are above 25%. And with the way colonization worked in Hawaii, you're very lucky if you have above 25%. So I actually didn't live on a reservation. I just lived in what is considered suburbia in Hawaii. We have a little bit more land between our homes. That's the only difference. I don't know how to describe it. It was nice being 20 minutes away from the beach. It was nice always being surrounded by people that understood you and just got where you came from. And you can make jokes. And no one was sensitive to it because that's just the history of our people. Can you describe the events of when you left from your homeland and came to Syracuse? I came the fall of 2020. COVID just happened and Hawaii just got onto the list of who needs to quarantine and who doesn't. But prior to that, my parents didn't even want me to come to Syracuse. They were like, where is Syracuse? My brother was the only one that knew where it was because he follows basketball. And so I had to do like the application process on my own. I had to do the financial aid on my own. They were like, Asia, this is like $70,000. There's no way we can afford it. And then it ended up being the cheapest school that I got into. So thank you. Shout out to financial aid for that. But I would like to ask for more. (laughs) But yeah, so when I first came in fall 2020, COVID hit. And we had to quarantine and I was ready to leave. I remember being so angry at my mom and I'm so sorry to her. I made her cry because I yelled at her because if I had left even a day earlier, I wouldn't have had to quarantine and miss the first week of school. But because she was like, no, stay home, just get on your regular flight. I ended up having to come here and then stay at the hotel. And so I spent my first week in there. I missed a whole bunch of like new student things. I didn't make any new friends. When I came in, my only friends were my roommate's friends. And yeah, it was hard. Did you experience any culture shock? Yeah, I mean, the culture is completely different here. Back home, the common word is aloha. So you give love, you receive love, and you just respect anyone you come across. You just try to be real with people. But then here, it wasn't like that. People would be nice to your face, but then mean behind your back. Like that happens everywhere. That happens in Hawaii, but it wasn't as common. So making friends here was really difficult because people are a lot more passive aggressive and they fight more with their words than actual fighting. <laughs> I think it was more common to just actual like get out and throw hands <laughs> back home than it is here. And so I had to adjust to that. And my mom had to like talk to me about that. And she's like, that's just the way people are. You're just going to have to deal with it. If you're going to stay there for four years, if you're going to stay there for your work, then that's the way it is. You're going to have to learn how to navigate social interactions with people. So it's almost like in a sense, though, that non-Indigenous people have that kind of mindset of, um, you know, being passive aggressive. You know, it does it happen on reservations, but when it comes to like being with indigenous people, it's not as uh, common. And if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like if someone is going to be passive aggressive to you, it's not going to be someone you don't know. It's going to be like your mom or it's going to be your sister. Like, you know what I mean? It's going to be someone you know and you know that you did something wrong and you're not going to be clueless as to what you did wrong. Like, but here it's like, wait, I don't even know you. I just met you. And what did I do to offend you? Just be nice. Be kind, please. Like, that's all I want. But that's not the way it is. It's like you have to earn their kindness. And I don't really appreciate that. Uh, At the very beginning of you coming to Syracuse University, did that kind of shift your whole perspective on the university and just how people interacted in general? 
first semester freshman year definitely when I like went home it's kind of crazy I wasn't homesick at all until I actually went home and was like oh my gosh I don't have to be on guard anymore like I don't have to like watch what I say I don't have to speak in like a proper English and it's just yeah like it's not a front anymore I can just be who I am so at what point during your time at Syracuse did you start feeling more comfortable and relaxed as you made a community within Syracuse? When I stopped hanging out with white people, <laughs> I didn't really get comfortable until this fall 2021. And that was because I decided to um, rush for MGC sorority, so Kappa Phi Lambdas. I ended up dropping out of it just because the time commitment, but being surrounded by other Asians, because I do identify as an Asian also, kind of made it easier in a sense, just because in some aspects, it reminded me of home because my mom is Chinese Hawaiian. But it was just like, I don't, like they understand like the little nuances because I want to say growing up in Hawaii is kind of growing up in an Asian community just because a lot of intermixing of cultures and everything. But yeah, it wasn't until I just stopped like putting on a front and trying to cater to white people basically that it made it easier. Also freshman year, I made more Black friends. And that's who my friend group was mostly comprised of. And they made it easier, too, because, I don't know, there's something about just being ethnic or, like, having immigrant parents that just, like, is, I relate to more than, I don't know, the entitlement of just, I'm the majority. Completely agree with that. Completely. And so when you're on campus, uh, at what point did you get involved with the Indigenous students on campus or become aware that there was a, like a community? Yeah, I didn't even know there was a community. People would be like, oh, you're from Hawaii? Like, do you know this girl who's also from Hawaii, but from a different island? And then it turns out she's not even Native Hawaiian, which isn't anything bad. Like, she's still from Hawaii, but it's completely different. We're still, like, a little bit segregated. It's a joke. Like, if you say you're from the east side, that means, like, you went to Punahou, which is very affluent, and you're, you're probably not even Native Hawaiian, or, you know, they, like, have a second home. That's kind of what the vibe is. And so it was just like, no, I don't know them. But it wasn't until I met Jordan working at Duncan. <laughs> that he was like, oh my God, you're Native? You need to join the group chat. You need to come to these events. Like I knew there was Native Americans here, but I didn't know where they were at, I guess. <laughs> it was kind of like, you know, you just like see yourself as like the single like minority in like a sea of white people. And that's just the way it is. You just, okay, this is what I signed up to when I came here. And then you meet someone and then it changes everything. So do you think it was the university's fault for not advertising uh, that there was um, Native organizations around campus? Because the Native organizations itself, they do promote it, but the university itself doesn't really discuss it as much. And I'm kind of shocked that they never brought that up to you at the beginning. Because I know you said you were in quarantine during your first week. So of course you missed some of that, but I'm surprised the university itself just said, hey, there's a Native community, you should reach out. I think the treatment, or not the treatment, but like, what you guys get advertised as Native Americans on the continent is different than what Native Americans from the islands get. So I think the university targets you guys more because they understand more that, oh, yeah, like you're Native American and they know what that means. I would get emails, but I never wanted to step on anyone's toes. 
because it was like your guys's holidays or like drum circles and I didn't realize how similar we were like you know what I mean like I didn't want to just come in and be like oh yeah just because I'm here for I'm also Native American like even though like we have no beef <laughs> like, I knew you guys would accept me but I just didn't know where I fit in until I showed up and I was like oh yeah I fit in. like I'm here you are indigenous you are you know, just because it's not within continental uh, America, you are indigenous and you face the same oppressions as us. Yeah, completely. Aisha discusses challenges she faces in adapting to life at a predominantly white institution, or PWI, a college or university at which more than 50% of the student body is white. Syracuse is right around that percentage. Native Hawaiians, grouped with other Pacific Islanders, comprise about a tenth of a percent of the student population. I mean, to this day, I'm still trying to navigate going to a PWI. And I think I'm not navigating it because I put myself in circles where I'm not a minority. Like, I put myself with the Native Americans because then I'm around my people. I put myself with the Asian Americans because those are my people. So like, I'm not a minority within those groups. And I don't know how to be a minority because in Hawaii I was never a minority like that that wasn't a label I wasn't never like microaggressed in like a serious way it was more just like we're microaggressing each other because we're all the same thing so (laughs) we can make jokes like and it's just comfortable because you know what we're all mixed we're all not fully Native Hawaiian and that's just the way it is because of history. Yeah for sure and so are are you aware that the university does provide Pacific Islander courses through the Native Studies program? I've seen some, but that was mostly on my part of searching. And I don't know if I'd take them because a lot of people, in my experience, who are interested, if they're not Native American, Native Hawaiian, they don't come from a place of respect. They see it more as like, oh my God, I'm going to go to Hawaii one day, or I've been to Hawaii, let me show you what I know. Or like they just infantilize us and just put us on a pedestal because we aren't real. And it really makes me uncomfortable to learn from someone who doesn't understand the nuances. I moved school senior year. So I went to Native Hawaiian school junior year. And then senior year, I went to a public school. And the public school history teacher, she was teaching Hawaiian history, was like, everybody who lives in Hawaii is Hawaiian. But that's, that's not true. And I, I couldn't accept that, like so much so that I wanted to like move out of the class, but she was the only person teaching the class. And I was ready to do the online course. And they're like, oh, you have to sign up at the beginning of the semester, but because you're graduating, your credits won't come in until after graduation. So you won't be able to graduate with your friends. So I had to stay in the class, but that's like rubbed me the wrong way. And so I don't think I would do that. If I wanted to take any courses, I would go home and learn from like my aunts and uncles. There is a specific course that is offered at the university. It's by, his name is Scott Stevens. I don't know if you know who that is. He's a native. He's, he's from Ogwazasne. He's a Mohawk. I, I'm Mohawk as well. And he teaches one of the courses. And a lot of concerns, even when I first got into Syracuse and I took a native course, I was like, I want to make sure they're saying the right stuff. You know, I want to make sure they really understand. And they really do. They really, really do. Because Scott teaches that class. First of all, he has a Harvard degree. Maybe that's good. But <laughs> he, he, honestly, the courses here are really good. I recommend taking one. And even if you like, just want to take one just to critique it, 
do it. That's what I did. For one of my courses, there's a whole chapter on Mohawk history. I was waiting for someone to slip up and I think it maybe happened like once, but it was nothing crazy. In your opinion, to the best of your knowledge, how hard is it for Indigenous students to get accepted to university or even get as far as to get to university? Hard. It's so hard. I know a lot of kids who went to my Native Hawaiian school and my history teacher actually was trying to do a study for his doctorate thesis with John Hopkins of why so many Native Hawaiian kids, at least at my school, would go to college, stay there for a year, and then come back home and then stay at home. And so a lot of my friends, they don't go off island, even though COVID was a factor this past year. As far as staying in college on the continental United States, that rarely happens. A large number of students do end up transferring back home. And I probably only know five people that went as far east as me. There's like the WUI program, the Western Undergraduate Exchange. So it makes college easier if you stay on that side. So because it's cheaper to stay on that side, a lot of kids from my school ended up going to Arizona, Las Vegas, California, like Washington, just because it was easier and cheaper. And because of that, there is a lot more Native Hawaiian presence there. So why do you think Native Hawaiians and Indigenous students drop out or just don't return to school? Because it's different. I kind of went into college with my eyes wide open. I knew what to expect because I went to college prep programs and I've been around a lot of white people like I've been around a lot of like kids our age before at these programs and I kind of knew you're gonna be the minority you're like even though I've never like fully experienced it I knew what was coming and also I just think it's burnout because on top of all like the academic expectations you also have like this emotional like you have to keep yourself not perfect but like you know you have to keep yourself stable emotionally being so far away from home and being in a new culture and just it's hard it's exhausting when i was in high school in montreal so like we're not far from the city my reservation and people would go do you live in teepees and this was like 10 11 years ago they would ask me that and i was like what you know well, i'm like first of all we're not the right group totally different group and then I'd just be like, no, that is, no, this is 2010, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, and that just like that mindset that people have when they think of like indigenous people, it's just like backwards. Would you agree? Like they still think we're savages. That's the way that I perceive it because it's like, okay, we're in the 21st century. So why can't you comprehend that I live in the 21st century? They still ask about the grass skirts and, oh my gosh, I was talking to my friend, we were at a party and he just like overheard and he was like, oh my God, you're from Hawaii. Would you wear a coconut bra for me? Ew, ew. Also, those are not historically accurate, but whatever fantasy you have going on, okay, <laughs> get away from me. <laughs> at another person's house, there's also this other guy and he, I'm pretty sure he was like a ROTC kid or something, or like he was in the army. He goes, don't you guys hate Japanese people? And I, was, like, I couldn't comprehend it because, first of all, I'm also Japanese. He thought, like, oh, because of Pearl Harbor, I would hate Japanese people without understanding that most of us are Japanese because of plantations. That mindset of, oh, you're, you're like oh, the lost civilization. Oh, you're like the dying race. People are just so ignorant and they don't know the history. Like, they don't realize that we were a kingdom. They don't know that, like, we had treaties, we had, like, partnerships with England. Why do you think the Union Jack is on our flag? 
and like we were supposed to be protected by England. We were our own nation until America decided to do what they do. They came in and they're like, yeah, yeah, you guys need freedom, right? And then they pretty much did the exact same thing as what they've done for hundreds of years. They liberated us in quotes. In my community, we have like this concept of you need to stick with someone who's Mohawk, that kind of forced narrative you need to comply because, of course, revitalizing the language, you know, that's there. But if you can do other things while also revitalizing the language, it seems like a generational thing where like your grandmother's grandmother taught her that. So to ask you now, think years in the future, uh, let's just say you have a child and your child says they want to go to SU, would you advise them to go there or would you tell them to take a different route you could be as honest as possible i kind of have to think about it because i don't know because a part of me wants to be like no but another part of me like this is the reason why i transferred because it's like if not here where because i obviously don't want to go home i could have stayed at home and went to school in hawaii but i didn't so i understand like this need and this drive for wanting more for yourself and you can only kind of accomplish that if you go on to the continent basically when I decide to have kids I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna raise them in Hawaii I'm not gonna raise them on the continent a part of me just refuses to do that because I want them to understand the nuances of what it means to be Native Hawaiian I want them to be able to pronounce their middle names like I want them to say Hawaii instead of Hawaii (laughs) I want that for them and like it has nothing to do with blood quantum but everything to do with pride I want them to learn the values of what it means to be Native Hawaiian. Like, I want them to know kuleana. I want them to know aloha. I want them to know having love and giving love. Just, like, respect for your elders, respect for the land, especially respecting the land. Realizing that it's a privilege, but also a responsibility to be Native Hawaiian. So, with that in mind, what are ways do you think that the university can improve on incorporating more of Native Hawaiian and Indigenous people from around the world who aren't just Native American to the general student population? I don't really know. Because I think the university just has an issue with minorities in general. Because, like, I didn't even know that there was, like, multicultural sororities. Like, I didn't know that there was Latino frats, like, all of these things. Because they don't advertise it. Like, yeah, if you go onto, like, the Greek Life page... They have a section, but they're not advertised. They're not on frat row. They're like off to the side, not even on campus. Like, you know what I mean? And like even the Native American house, it's kind of to the side. No one knows what it is. I was thinking about this recently. If I wanted anything in this entire world, like if I became like a billionaire, like Elon Musk money, I would give money to Syracuse University specifically for another house, basically, or another student center, just for like Native students, just as a safe space. And I want it to be right smack dab in the middle of campus, either right next to Shine or right by the quad. And I'm going to label it Ke'olohilani or like whatever, like some Hawaiian word, because I want it to be known because it isn't. And we're erased. Like we're used for their demographics, but we're not anything more than just a statistic. Yeah, that's always like the running joke. When we got into university, we're like, did we get in for our academics or to fill the demographic? I mean, but it's kind of sad that a lot of us kind of feel that way. In the back of our heads, some of us, we just think like, Did we get in because of our academics or because they need more Native students on campus from around the world? Yeah, and students think that too. Oh, you're Native? Did you put that on your application? Like, 
Do you think that's how you got in? And it's like, why are you asking me those questions? Have you seen my resume? Did you see my ACT scores? Like, I deserve my place here just as much as you did. But you don't understand that because your privilege just can't comprehend that someone would need financial aid to attend here and someone can't afford to attend here, but they still deserve to go here. Yeah, of course. And obviously, because there are students at the university who are white or who are black or Asian, who are Arabic or all in the same category who have struggles. But it's that privileged mindset where some students are like, oh, you're on financial aid. Ooh, oh, you're native. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I've always noticed there's big differences. Like if you see non-natives in like your classes are walking around and how they would greet one another compared to native students when they see each other, it seems like it's more family and less hostile. This is why I think the like, first semester was really hard for me is that people here don't understand how ingrained living in Hawaii is into being who you are. I don't think that's coherently phrased, but like people were like, oh, big from Hawaii is your own personality type. Like you make it your personality, but it's like, no, it's different being from New Jersey and raised in New Jersey, but that's not who you are. That's just the place you live. But for me, it's like, no, I am Hawaiian. My parents are Hawaiian. My grandparents are Hawaiian. We can go all the way back. Therefore, my ties are to this land. My culture belongs with this land. And of course, when I go away, you're going to notice these differences because you don't have ties to New Jersey. You don't have like culture of New Jersey. Like, yeah, like you might have things, but they're not so ingrained in your being and ingrained in your bloodline. So when you first met the Native students and start understanding that there was I say, like a group or like a, almost like a, like a community, did you feel that sense of understanding of where they came from and how they, they have pretty much the same ideals as you? Yeah, just because of how easy it was to hang out with you. Like it, it's not anything loud. Like being with other Native kids isn't anything loud. It's just a common understanding of like we're from this land. We are these people move on. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's other aspects to ourselves. Like as proud as we are, when we're with other native kids, it's just so much easier because you don't have to talk about it. You just know it and you feel it more than anything. You feel how accepting you are. You feel how easy it is. Shoot the shit, like no bullshit. It is. And you don't get that with like other people. So when like you think back the first time you ever met like like the group of natives, did you like go in with like a bit of little bit of hostility compared to your other interactions with non-native students? Did you kind of have that mindset when you first met the, the native population at Syracuse? I definitely went in guarded, just thinking like, oh my gosh, all these other people here as in the university haven't accepted me or accepted my identity as a Native Hawaiian and they've just fetishized it. But what if I come here with the Native American students and they are just like, oh, you're not Native American enough. Even though I know that's never going to be an issue with Native kids or Native people, it's an issue with white people. So I was just like, oh my gosh. And like, I had all these thoughts and I was just worried because of past interactions with people at the university here. I was just like, oh, stressful situation. And obviously that whole mindset was like shot down within like the first five minutes, I'm assuming. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So to look into like what you have learned from first coming to the university and going through all of these experiences, like what advice can you give to future students who are, say they're coming from Hawaii or coming from a place around the world and they're indigenous and they kind of have the same fears as you did? What 
advice can you give to them on like your what you've learned so far? Get involved. As a Native person, you won't find your people just off the street. Like we don't have that privilege and we do have to go out looking for it. And I'm sorry for that, but do get involved because we're here and we're happy to have you. Just like find your people. It makes it easier. And being away from home is so hard. Oh my gosh. I don't know what to say about that because (laughs) I still haven't figured it out. It seems like it's just going to be like an ever long learning process, how to adapt, how to overcome. And I'm guilty of it. Oh, I'm so far away from home. It's like, no, because there's students like yourself who are really far away from home. Even for you, like, even though you're so close, I think the reason why we get homesick so much and it hurts so much is because the culture is just so different. Like, yes, we like yearn for our land and our family and all these things, but we just yearn for like the stability of knowing our culture and knowing the culture of where you're at and not having to second guess yourself and not having to think like okay can I introduce myself in my regular accent because apparently I do have one or am I gonna have to be on guard and speak proper English and then when it slips up are you gonna tease me about it just because of the way that I say certain words and like you know what I mean like so we just I think Native kids no matter where you're from the reason why we get homesick so hard is because we just yearn for our culture more than anything else. For sure. And to end on a high note, explain what was your first time like when you saw snow? And what was the first thing you did when you saw the snow? Did you go, oh my God, is there snow? Like, like what was it like? Oh, when it first snowed, freshman year, I remember it. <laughs> I didn't go out because I was in the shower and I was like, I already showered, dang it. Yeah. So I was like, damn it. I'm going to be there the next time. And then it didn't snow because <laughs> it like happened in November. And then we left in November for Thanksgiving and then we didn't come back until February. And so I didn't get like that. Oh my gosh. Moment until February. I stayed with my friend who lives in Meopap and I was playing in her backyard just because I was like, there's falling snow. I've never seen falling snow. I've never seen more than like an inch of snow on the ground. (laughs) And they're not going to let us up onto the mountain when it's snowing because no one knows how to drive in snow. Like that's how accidents happen. And so it was really fun to just like see snowflakes, actually look at them and be like, oh my God, that is a snow like when you cut the arts and crafts snowflake that is what they look like because i thought it was just like circles because in movies they just look like circles i don't know i was a kid i was eating it i was looking at do not eat yellow snow (laughs) thankfully didn't have to learn that one i already knew that one it was fun i love the snow The Land You're On is a production of Access Audio, a storytelling initiative of the Special Collections Research Center at the Syracuse University Libraries. Produced by Brett Barry, Bianca Kayela Breed, Neil Paulus, and Jim O'Connor. Interview by Dejosterios Deer. Post-production work by Silver Hollow Audio. The Land You're On is distributed by WAER Podcasts, available at WAER.org, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Production help for The Land You're On from Cal Doherty and Kevin Claus. For further information, reading, and educational resources, visit the Land You're On Research Guide 
available at soundbeat.org.